so glad you guys joined us. We have a very special day. As you can tell, it is Compassion Sunday, and every year we uh, do something like this. And this year we have a very special guest speaker from Compassion, David. Come on up, David. Give David a hand. David uh, actually went through the, the program, and now he lives in Colorado Springs with his lovely wife and two kids, and he's just going to share uh, his story today. So thank you. Thank you, Jack. Hello, everyone. Jumbo. Oh, some of you have been in Kenya, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's hello for, for, for Swa- in Swahili. Uh, Jumbo. Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is David. I'm from Kenya. Uh, but I live here in Colorado Springs with my family. And I'm so excited. I'm so happy to be here today uh, to just share my testimony and worship God. Uh, it's all about Jesus. Just worship God with you. Just give a testimony of what the Lord has done in my life um, through the program of Compassion International that we are hosting today. And, and one thing I, I'm so happy about this church is that when I got in, when I was walking in, I saw this hope lives, and I actually didn't know that was their theme. And today's message is about hope. Uh, So it really resonates so good with me because in my whole life, I've lived a life where it's all about hope, looking forward for what Jesus is about to do. Um, I remember growing up, I come from a family of five. Uh, we, I have two brothers and two sisters. They are older. I'm the youngest. And when I was growing up, I, uh, my dad left uh, when we were very young. And when my dad left, my mom was left to take care of uh, the five uh, kids all by her, uh, herself. Uh, she was working in a small restaurant uh, back in Kenya. And she was making probably one dollar a day uh, when it's, when things are so good. Uh, sometimes she would make like two dollars, um, but sometimes one dollar. And my older brother by then uh, was like he was the one who was taking care of us because my mom used to work from six in the morning to around eleven at night. Uh, the, the guy in the blue. Uh, that, that's my brother who was older that was taking care of us. Uh, and my mom would come in the evening sometimes, and she would bring some leftover cookies from the restaurant, and that's what we would have as a meal for the day. Uh, because she was not earning a lot, we lived in a very small shanty, just a shack, just like 12 by uh, 11 square feet, uh, kind of a house. It wasn't, there was no cement, uh, there was no floor, it was just dust. And I remember even today, every time I smell dust, I, I can remember, it reminds me of that life, um, a very extreme, hopeless kind of life. And uh, one day I remember, because sometimes we could starve during the day, we had stayed for like 24 hours without food, and my older brother came up with an idea uh, that he had heard from someone. So he woke us one day in the morning. Uh, I was around seven years old. And uh, he's like, hey, you know what? It's easier for us to get something out there. Uh, so we are not going to die here of salvation. I have a good idea where we can get food. And also we followed him with so much hope, so excited. We went to the street and uh, 
just around the corner, we just came, uh, we, you know, in front of this huge uh, dumpster where the city used to dump everything. And he told us, now, it's, let's just look for whatever we can get just for us to survive. It's better for us to eat here and die because of other contaminated stuff than dying of starvation. And that was our life. That's how our lives became. We would only get food from the dumpsters unless if my mom would bring something in the evening. And I remember living that life and thinking, oh man, this, this is how life is supposed to be. This is what life is all about. I didn't know the difference. There were so many other families doing the same thing. And I witnessed so many children uh, dying of cholera, typhoid, and I, I lived in that fear of what if something ever happened to me? Because uh, there was no health insurance. There's, if you don't have money to go to hospital, actually when you go to hospital, the first thing you do, you have to pay first for them to, uh, to, to, to start taking care of you or treating you. And you can even die waiting for a doctor to call uh, for you because they, they are waiting to make sure that you will pay cash. Uh, and in that situation, living in extreme poverty like that, uh, you can stay there uh, and no one cares because... Everyone is hopeless. Um, and living in that fear, thinking, oh, what if something ever happened to me? And I remember one time, uh, my mom came uh, home. I was uh, around eight, eight years old, around eight, nine. And she, she wasn't really feeling well. Uh, you could tell that, oh, wow, she had kind of concealed what she was going through because she really wanted to give us hope. Uh, it was all about hope. It was all about looking for tomorrow, looking forward for something, living uh, every day uh, at a time, surviving. So I never had childhood. I never had hobbies to play or anything. It's just every day you wake up, um, you go to school, you starve in the whole day, you come back home hoping there will be something to eat. And it's so sad because there are so many children right now around the world that are living in the same situation. So I remember a, a neighbor of ours taking my mom to hospital, um, and uh, she was like, oh, it will, it's, it's going to be fine. And she got to hospital. Uh, we don't really know what happened, but the next day the neighbor came back, and unfortunately uh, she never made it. Uh, she died uh, that night. And when my mom died, the fear that I've always had was real. I knew something will happen to me. I didn't know that one day I would actually live to tell the story. Um, we all dropped out of school. Uh, no one was able to go to school anymore because now my mom, who was the only hope, uh, she had already died. And I remember like thinking, I don't think there is God. I was mad. I was angry. I didn't know why uh, at that age we would live like that and yet God exists. You would not have told me anything about God, and I accept it. But today I really lived. God protected me to be able to worship him and to know that he exists and that he is real. Um, when we dropped out of school and we started living with different relatives and neighbors, we kind of became like a burden to people. Uh, and one time I was in the street, just living the normal life in the street. There was this young man from, uh, from a church near my, my city, the city that I used to live. His name was Kenneth Kaunda. 
We used to call him Uncle KK. Um, and he came to me. He saw me and he's like, would you like to go to school? Would you like to go? Why are you doing here? I talked to him about everything that's happening. And he took me to this church. I remember the name of the church was Deliverance Church, uh, Kisarian. And uh, when I got there, there were so many children. And they were happy. They were laughing. They were running around. They were playing soccer. They, they never cared about anything. I wanted that. I wanted to leave. And he told me, you know what? Uh, we want you to be part of this family. We want you to be part of Compassion. This is called Compassion Program. And I thought it was just a feeding program. I didn't know it was more than what I thought. Because there was no compassion sign in that church, all I saw was just a normal church with kids playing around. It was on a Saturday, I remember, and it was the day for compassion program when it runs. And they took me, he took me to the office and he told me, now, this is what I want you to do. I want to take a picture of you. And uh, during those days, taking a photo, was a, it was like a... It was a big deal. It was like a project, you know, and people are so serious when they are taking, but he told me, you have to smile. Don't be so serious with life. So he, he gave me new clothes and shoes and I stood there. I took a picture of me. I was smiling so big and life started changing. I started having hope something is about to happen. So at the project, there is like three or four hundred children. They are all seated there. They sing in the morning. They listen to the word of God. They are given Bibles. They are sometimes um, volunteers like nurses and doctors who come take care of them. Um, we might have people from the U.S., doctors uh, without borders probably come in to volunteer and that kind of stuff. There is food. People get food and that kind of stuff. So my life started changing. I started even being happy. You know, smiling, having hope, and wanting to live a different life. But one thing that was uh, also lacking was a relationship with a sponsor. I had witnessed something. Every time we come to the program, the, uh, the, the children are just, after, 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 there are so many things that we would do during that day. And then at some point after lunch, we would sit down. The kids are quiet. When the teacher, or we call them the teachers, but the staff of compassion, when they walk in, all the children are quiet. There is a reason for that. These guys, they would come with a bunch of letters from different sponsors all over the world. Um, And these letters are sent to these kids. So all the children, they anticipate to hear their name being called. And the kids would run pick their, 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 their envelope, they open and they would read. And I had stayed for about four months in this program and I had not had that experience of now this program becoming real for me. And one day, as I was waiting, my name was called. And I ran there in front. I picked that letter. It was from a family in England, uh, Britain. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. A. Evans. And they wrote to me, they told me, uh, David, we are so happy that we want you to be part of our lives and we want to be part of your life and we want to sponsor you. We want to walk this journey with you. They encouraged me. They sent me a verse, uh, Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans for you, the plans to give you hope and a future. And 
those words really came alive listening and reading them from someone else rather than the people I was living in the same poverty. Because even if people would have told me that, oh, you're going to have a bright future, you're going to be different, you're going to live, I could not believe it because they are also in the same situation. But when you read something like that from someone else who actually is living that life, it becomes real. You believe it. So they would encourage me. They told me, uh, we have a photo of you uh, on our refrigerator. I really didn't understand why my photo would be on refrigerator by then. Uh, because in Kenya, we always have them in the album. But I went to uh, my, my mentor, uh, Uncle KK or Kaunda, Kenneth. And Kenneth used to be so loving. He's the first person that showed me so much love. Uh, he, he was just like a great loving guy who had given his life to God to take care of the kids and he would come so I would always go to him and ask him questions whenever I get a letter these are different cultural differences uh, and I'm reading something and I don't understand what it is I would go to him and I remember he would kneel and he would hold my shoulder and he would tell me this is what they mean they mean every time they open the refrigerator or the fridge getting food from there or water or anything they see you they pray for you they sit down with their families and think about you. And that love really made me want to love. Because my mom did not have opportunity to tell me they loved me. She loved me because we were surviving. She didn't have time for that. And I understand that. But when you hear this from someone, it's, it's, it's amazing to know that, wow, you are, you, you, you are real, you are worth. Because even the reason they, the first day they you know, when, they, when I received that letter, they told me, oh, we have a photo of you and you are smiling so big. You look handsome. I was like, yeah, man, I didn't know that. So, um, <laughs> but I remember Uncle Ke- Kenneth telling me the reason why we gave you like nice clothes and everything is because we wanted to protect your dignity. And you will see today if you got... Um, touches your heart to sponsor a child, you will not see poverty in those children. Why? Because of hope. Because of the hope that they live in. They want to live a different life. That child, if they see that packet of information 20 years from now, they will be, wow. They really still protect. We don't, we don't have those photos, uh, you know, like a kid dying, you know, malnutrition. No, we want... That's one thing I love about compassion. And I really appreciate that they really protected my dignity and made me be, to know that I'm, I'm real, I'm worth, I, I, I have a life, I'm a human being. And I remember sometimes my sponsor would write to me and she would ask, they would ask, oh, what's your favorite uh, hobbies? I didn't even know the word hobby, what that means. I had to ask. And the, my uncle would, uh, Uncle KK would be like, oh, they're asking, what do you like doing? I started playing soccer. I started playing uh, uh, drum set in church because the project runs in church. And sometimes I would even write to them. It was like a real you know, family conversation. I would write to them and tell them what I got in, uh, in my, 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 my grades in school and that kind of stuff because I was able to go back to school. And one time I had a D, and I really didn't know what I'm going to tell them because in Kenya, People are very honest with you. If you fail, you fail. They tell you, you have to work hard. Um, 
so I was like, if I tell them this, I don't know if, if they will continue sponsoring me. But when they got the letter, they wrote back. I received back the letter. I was so anxious to see what did they say about uh, my D in math. D for Delta. So, and I remember receiving that uh, letter and they were like still encouraging me. And uh, when they encouraged me, for me I took it literally that, because they said, oh you're still doing good and uh, we will st- still want you to, to see you uh, put more effort. But that word that you're still doing good, I was like, how do they perform in Britain? If I got a D, and they still encouraging me, what happened? So, but Uncle Ken, Kenneth would tell me, you know, they, they just want you to, to, to know that the, you still, they, they cannot stop sponsoring you because of that. That's part of life. Sometimes failing is okay, because I never wanted to fail. And I remember when the first day I went to college, uh, when I, I joined college, I had a different uh, sponsor from here in Oregon, Portland. Um, because one thing about compassion program, when you are sponsoring a child, you are not alone. There are so many community. It takes a village to raise a child. And that's real in Kenya, absolutely. It's, it takes a village because if you're walking around down the street and you're doing something that's not good, someone can can just punish you there as a stranger. You cannot even go home and say that you are punished by someone because your mom would still do the same and be like, why were you spanked? So there was another sponsor that took over. Um, Her name is uh, uh, Mrs. Patty Mosley, and I've met her. She lives in Portland, Oregon. She has been there uh, whenever my children were born. She, She always come to visit. I always visit her. But also the relationship between me and her is just so special because she never had a, uh, children of herself and I never had parents. So we have that close relationship and that makes it so real. Uh, she took me through college and I was able to graduate with a bachelor's degree uh, from the University of Nairobi, uh, political science and international relations. I also did psychology. I did sociology. I wanted to do everything. I was hungry for education and I ended up uh, majoring uh, into uh, political science and uh, uh, international relations. And today, um, Still in doing my, my, my education, I'm still doing, I'm doing MBA from Louisiana State. And one thing is that God gave me the opportunity to know that he, he loves me, he cares for me, and I can also love others. I can also give back. So my wife and I and my children, we always do a lot. So these guys, I, went, I, I met these guys when I joined Compassion. We grew up together. So one thing about Compassion, when I joined that program, there were so many, I made so many friends and I became a child, relational, and we graduated with most of them, uh, but this was like my best uh, friends that we lived in the same uh, dormitory. And some of them are all over the world. Some of them are entrepreneurs back home. Others are here working with the government. Others are still doing so many things. So the pro- program of Compassion it's just so amazing what happens after that. The reason why it's about hope is because sometimes you would still be starving, but there is hope. There is something you are looking forward to. 
And then it gives this assurance that anything happens to you, there is health care. There is people around you that know you, love you. There is your sponsor praying for you and supporting you with your dreams and anything that you want to do. So it's a tremendous God's ministry. And it was reminding me when uh, Jesus was preaching to the 5,000 people in the desert and the disciples came back, came to him and he, they told him, uh, these guys are hungry, T- uh, send them home to have something to eat. And he looked at them and the answer that he gave them, they didn't expect that. Because he told them, you feed them. And they were like, how do we feed them? We are in the desert. How do we do that? What, do you talk, what are you talking about? But the significant part of that is just for them to know that I've, I've chosen you as my disciples to take care of the poor. I've chosen you as disciples to take you. I've empowered you. He was empowering them. Feed them. He knew that you trust me. Anything can happen. There is faith. There is a miracles that can happen. And sometimes we sponsoring kids. Um, I was just talking with someone after speaking in the first service, and they were like, "You know, I, I, I sponsor seven kids, and I don't even feel it. I don't know. I don't even know when the money comes out because God provides for that. Because it's uh, it's more than money. It's not more than actually the physical part of it. It's 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 more than that. It's something so spiritual, huge." It's a big dream. It's a big thing. Because when you sponsor one child, the whole family changes. The whole cycle of poverty, it's, it's broken. And it's not just physical poverty. Because I looked at my family today, my brothers and sisters, and I cannot believe where we are. I, I, I cannot believe we all survived. Because I would come back home with the Bible and Christian materials. That, that changing their heart, that, that changing their their spiritual poverty has kept them alive because they realized we are sons of God. We are loved. We are no longer poor. Their children are in school. Uh, even though they never were able to go to, to, to college and whatever, everything I was able to share with them. I, I even, the best part of everything was compassion, having the opportunity to reconcile us with our dad. Even though he went to be with the Lord, he was coming to that church, and by the time he died, he was born again. He used to come to men's fellowship. My dad, who was a drunkard, alcoholic, changing, and I know that I will meet him in heaven because of that opportunity. Probably if Kenneth did not see me in that dumpster and called me, I don't know where I would be today. Probably I wouldn't be here to share this uh, word of God with you. So, compassion is a beautiful thing to sponsor a child. And we always say this in Africa. We've, been, we've lived in Africa with my, my wife, and we would use public transportation, sometimes going somewhere. A small van can have like 20 people inside, and there's still room. And I would see the driver still stopping to get people in. I'm like, are you still getting people inside? We are 20 of us, like, squeezed with goats and chicken. But <laughs> he would always say, oh, no, yeah, there is still one more. There is still room for one more. So if you sponsor a child, there's still room for one more. You're welcome to sponsor another child today. So this is what happens with the sponsorship. And I remember that my, my, my picture was in that kind of a packet. Um, and this child probably is waiting just as I was sitting there 
waiting for that name to be mentioned like to know that finally I have someone finally I have a sponsor what if all the children that we have today I just want to challenge you and I'm going to start by sponsoring uh, Gasembi Murungara and I will believe that God will prov- I'm sorry I didn't tell you but I'm going to sponsor a child uh, <laughs> we should have yeah, and uh, sometimes sponsoring a child, you, you don't have to pray about it. Just it's it's just sponsor. Praise the Lord. God has already empowered you. Amen. Yeah, I mean God has. It's the will of God. Praise the Lord. It's the will of God for us to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. So if you have any questions, um, I will be just at the lobby. Uh, we have so many packets of information that we brought with kids waiting for that hope. And God has blessed us so much that there will always be room for one more. Um, and I believe God will provide for you. Amen? God bless you so much. I love you. I hope to see you again in the future. Amen. Let's stand. I just want to pray for you. Uh, this is a time here at the venue we call response time. And you can just respond to anything God's been speaking to you this morning. Maybe one of David's stories kind of reminded you of something in your childhood um, that God just kind of, you know, gently reminded you of. And we have a prayer team back there. would love to pray for you. We've also prepared communion in the front and the back. And so during these next few songs, that's the time to uh, to do that. But I encourage you to, you know, bottom line is, Sponsor a kid. Go for it. We had, uh, last year we had a lady take a six pack. Six kids. So I think that's the benchmark right now. If you want to beat that, uh, do it and let me know. And we'll change the benchmark. So, <laughs> Father, thank you. Thank you for David and um, his life. And I thank you that you, you saw him. You saw him and you still see him and you still see us. And wherever we're at, in our journey Um, you see us and you care about what we're going through Um, some of us aren't starved for food but we're starved for other things other things that can only be fulfilled by you by your Holy Spirit by your presence in our lives I think that might be a word right now for some of us that you know we can be rich in a lot of ways and and in poverty um, in other places. So I just invite your presence right now, Holy Spirit, to come and and fill those places with hope. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in those places in our lives, because you see every one of us and know every one of us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.